This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. I do distinctly remember one day sitting in the drum set practice room and my friends were talking to me. I was a senior in the program and I said to them, guys, you know, I, I love music, I love drumming, I'm loving this program, but this isn't what I see myself doing forever. And they said, well, what do you, what do you see yourself doing? And I said, well, I want to be a writer. I want to write books. And they said, what do you, what would you write about? And I said, I remember sitting in the drum set room and I said, well, I've got an idea right now that I'm kind of kicking around. It's about janitors with magic powered cleaning supplies. <laughs> and, and of course that eventually um, led to my first series. From Bookstack.com, you're listening to About the Author. I'm your host, Saul Marquez. Today, we're sitting down with fantasy author Tyler Whitesides to talk about how his college custodial job launched his career as a full-time author. We've got his story coming up in just a few moments, so stay with us. So Tyler Whitesides is probably best known for his series, Janitors. They're middle grade books where janitors, yes, the ones who keep the local elementary school clean, are magical beings. The story behind this series is actually really interesting and Tyler's going to share how he came up with the idea. But before we get into that, you should know that Tyler's interest in writing magical and fantastical books is rooted in the stuff he read as a kid. So as an elementary kid, I loved books by... uh... Bruce Covell, like Aliens Ate My Homework, and Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher, Goblins in the Castle. And then, you know, I, I feel like I've always been in, inclined to read fantasy. It always kind of drew me in. And then about middle school, I discovered, I kind of made a leap to epic fantasy. Okay. And I discovered Terry Brooks. Uh, classic. Yeah, his yeah, <laughs> classic books. The Shannara series. So I, I devoured those all through middle school, and I think I was about 15 when he had a new new series within the Shannara series. Uh, he had a, a new set of books coming out, so I was able to get those hardback and kind of be, you know, uh, all the hype and excitement of a new book coming out and kind of be involved with that. Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Like, was that always the plan? Or Yeah, I'd say um, I can kind of pinpoint my decision to become a writer all the way back to second grade. I was recently going through a box of old things and I found a, a little worksheet that I'd filled out as a second grader. And the it was like, you know, you complete the sentence. And the sentence was, when I grow up, I might be a, and I wrote book writer. Because <laughs> I've always loved writing stories. And, and so I, and I found an old, you know, from that same uh, second grade year, I found an old story that I'd written. It was like seven chapters long. Of course, each chapter was only like three sentences. <laughs> um, but but for, for a little kid, you know, that's what I loved doing. I, I've always dreamed that I could become an author one day. What, what appealed to you about writing, especially as a kid? Like, why did you enjoy that so much? So I think 
You know, I, that's, that's actually a question I've pondered a lot over the years. Um, I remember one time I was sitting in a writing workshop before I was published and the teacher asked a question and the question was simple, is why do you write? And I, and she asked us to write our answer down on a piece of paper. And so I was, you know, thought a lot about, you know, why, why do I write? And she kind of went over, you know, various reasons why people write, you know, for money or for the, the they've got this story that they just have to get, get out. And I felt like my answer was, was maybe a little unique. I, I, I had written that one of the reasons that I feel like driven to write is almost this desire to to give back. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. as a kid, books meant so much to me. That like reading a book um, as a as a kid, you know, I'd devour the story, and then like I said, the story would kind of shape my interests and my hobbies and the way that I would spend my free time. Uh, my friends would read a lot of the same books as me at the same time. We would discuss them, you know, and talk a lot about them. And I feel like my childhood years were so shaped by reading great books that I've always wanted to be able to write a book that maybe would mean something to someone else, uh, the same way that those books had meant so much to me growing up. You knew from a young age that you wanted to be a writer. What I, I think I know that you ended up studying music mm -hmm. in college. So how did that, how did you end up choosing music? So in sixth grade, um, I joined the school band and started playing drums with the, with the band and got heavily into that through high school as well. Played with the orchestra, played drums for the choir and spent a lot of time uh, developing that skill, taking private lessons. When I graduated from high school, I ended up getting a, a pretty great music scholarship to Utah State University. I would say that's largely what motivated my decision okay, to yeah. study music in college. I do distinctly remember one day sitting in the drum set practice room and my friends were talking to me and I was a senior in the program and I said to them, guys, you know, I, I love music, I love drumming, I, I'm loving this program, but this isn't what I see myself doing forever. And they said, well, what do you, what do you see yourself doing? And I said, well, I want to be a writer. I want to write books. And they said, what do you, what would you write about? And I said, I remember sitting in the drum set room and I said, well, I've got an idea right now that I'm kind of kicking around. It's about janitors with magic powered cleaning supplies. <laughs> and, and of course that eventually um, led to my first series. Can you go ahead and share the story about how you got that idea and how that came about? We, you know, had a lot of demands on our time at the university because we had concerts in the evening, and, uh, rehearsals and classes throughout the day. So when it came time to find some sort of part-time job for me, I was looking for flexibility. That was the most important thing about finding a job. And I had a couple of friends that were working at a local middle school as night custodians. And so they called me and they said there was a position open. And I was like, okay, well, you know, what's the, what's the position? And they said, well, you'd be cleaning toilets. <laughs> At a middle school, right? Very appealing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought, this sounds terrible. I remember talking to my dad about it, and I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to do the job. And he said, well, you should, you know, you should at least go down and uh, interview for the job. You know, you might start out cleaning toilets, but maybe it'll lead to something else. He said, you never know, maybe this will be your chance to just kind of get your foot in the toilet. 
you know. <laughs> um, and, and little did uh, did he know at the time, I think, but I, I found it uh, quite interesting that it did lead, um, of course, to a whole series of books and, and basically kind of launching my writing career. For those who have never heard of it, can you explain briefly what Janitors is about? Yeah, so Janitors, the, the main characters are a couple of students at a school that discover that there are invisible little monsters living all over the school. Basically an infestation there in the classroom, the hallways, all over. And they find out that these monsters inhale students' brain waves and exhale sleepiness and boredom <laughs> and distraction. And so there's a secret organization of janitors that have magic-powered cleaning supplies, and they are in charge of, uh, you know, destroying the monsters and keeping the school clean. And so the students kind of get in on the mystery of it. They find out that some janitors are good and some are bad. They have to team up with the janitors, learn how to use their magic supplies, and then try to keep their school clean from these monsters. It's very, it sounds very creative. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sounds like it explains a lot of my school days. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once you had that idea... Like, was it difficult to write the book or did it come to you easily? Thinking back, I think it was 2009 when I wrote Janitors 1. And it seemed to come pretty easily. I remember writing a lot late at night because I was a college student and, uh, you know, working as the janitor at the time as well. And so somehow in there between homework and practice time and, and work and family, I snuck in writing. <laughs> And I think a lot of that happened late at night, and I just remember it flowed pretty well, and I was I was pleased. I ended up you know rewriting some sections that didn't work as well, um, learning a lot of things along the way, but overall, yeah, it was it flowed pretty well. Was that the first book you had ever written, or had you already tried your hand at writing before that? So in high school, I wrote a ton of just practice manuscripts, I call them, you know, um, I would start a story and maybe I'd get a uh, hundred pages in and then I would abandon it. I did actually end up finishing a manuscript in high school. It was humongous. It was like 300,000 words. Oh my gosh, that's huge. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, of course it was mostly awful and I hope that it never sees the light of day, but was it fantasy? It was, it was, yeah, it was epic fantasy. Um, that sounds like what it would be. Like yeah. Yeah. Words. yeah. And, and I mean, I, I wrote that throughout the four years of, of high school and I remember finishing it, I think just after I had graduated from high school, which was, which was great. It was good practice. Like I said, I hope that book doesn't ever, you know, see the light of day because, uh, it's, it's not a great story or not, a, you know, certainly not well executed, but it was 300,000 words of practice and that's what really mattered there. Do you think it's important for writers to have sort of, because you talked about those early books as practice. Do you think that's important for writers? Like, or what do I think, think I think it's hugely important to to have a couple of manuscripts that that you've written and that you're okay to put on the shelf and say, I learned something important from this, but it's not my masterpiece. I'm going to get better. Each one's going to get better. I think, uh, you know, when you're talking about people that are coming into writing so often I feel like aspiring writers they feel like they've got this golden ticket idea and it's like this is this is the the story that burns within them this is the the thing that that they've got to write um and so they write it 
And then they just kind of keep writing it and they kind of keep editing and reworking and rehashing it until eventually they hate that story and, and maybe the story doesn't ever find an audience or a publisher. But my advice then to kind of tie in with that is as soon as you finish writing something, I feel like as a writer, you need to move on to another story and always be writing something because the more stories, the more manus finished manuscripts that you have in your arsenal, the better off you're gonna be when you go up against an agent or a publisher and they read something and say, hmm, this sounds uh, interesting, but it's not for me. Do you have anything else? Right? You don't wanna be just standing there going, uh, I got nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like that was my one idea, that was my one golden ticket. Uh, instead, like the more prepared you can be, the, the better off you're gonna be in turning your writing from a manuscript into a published work. When we come back, we'll find out how Tyler took his idea about janitors and used that to become a full-time author almost immediately out of college. We'll have that story for you right after this break. Looking to stay inspired after this podcast is over? You don't need us to remind you that some of the best inspiration comes from reading books. And what better way to consume books than with Audible? the subway or in the car, when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You can always catch up on your TBR list with an audiobook. And for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com bookstacked. Audible's selection of over 1,800 titles includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstacked for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. I finished the manuscript and I was a senior in, in college. And I found out about a publishing fair and so I drove down and met with a, an, an editor for a publisher there and kind of handed her janitors. I actually handed her another manuscript as well. Earlier I'd mentioned about having multiple manuscripts in your arsenal when you're, when you're talking to agents or publishers. This was one of those cases because they, they bit on, on the other book, not on janitors, and they, they loved it at first. And they were reading it and they were talking a lot about it. And then kind of the, the, the bottom kind of fell out. And, you know, I got an email one day that was like, sorry, you know, we've decided not to, not to continue pursuing this project. That must be awful. Yeah, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing. Now, luckily I had that other, I had janitors um, like in my back pocket there and I immediately like countered and I said, okay, well that one didn't work for you. How about this one? You know, and I was just gonna, my plan was just keep throwing manuscripts at them until they, <laughs> until they went for it. And, and luckily, yeah, that was janitors. They read it. They loved it. They saw a great series potential for it and decided to publish it. Now I, I ended up, that was, that all happened. I graduated from Utah State in, in May and I signed my contract in September. Wow. So I had just this, this summer that was kind of limbo. Uh -huh. And I remember looking for a lot of, of jobs, you know, just like I, I was just looking for anything full-time that I could, cause I felt like I was close. Like I could, I could, taste it you know I could feel it right there we were close to to having a contract and 
and hopefully getting a book published. Uh, so I just remember th over the summer I looked for a lot of random jobs. Like I remember I was, one point I'd look to be a, a donut decorator, but I didn't have the qualifications. <laughs> you know, what, what qualifications do you need to be a donut decorator? I don't know. I, I remember I submitted an application to become a volunteer at a library and I got turned down. Wow. <laughs> you know, So uh, it, it was kind of like a, a rough couple of months where I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. Luckily, my, my wife at the time was teaching third grade. And so uh, she provided the stability. Um, at, the, at the time and and she was really supportive of it as well and she said you know if we're gonna if you think that that writing you know is what you want to do um, since she had a stable job at the time she said let's just see how hard, hard how hard we can push this uh, up front and see if we can get it to take flight and so that's what we did you know ended up signing that contract in September then I had a weird then I had a weird year where the the book wasn't out um, it wasn't going to be coming out for a year and during that year process we were getting artwork we were editing and revising the book and you know getting it into shape for publication I, I also had to write janitors 2 at the same time so that I could turn that in about the same time that janitors 1 came out and so that year uh, again with her working as a teacher really helped a lot uh, and allowed me to kind of focus and say Let's see if we can really make this work. Exciting. Yeah, it was great. Must have been cool to have that support too from your wife, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, very, very helpful when I think back on, you know, on what got me where I am. Did the manuscript change a lot once the publisher got involved? So I rewrote probably the last 10,000 words. In, in the original, they ended up kind of going off the rails and they were doing something that seemed totally un connected to the rest of the book and as soon as my my editor and this is the value of having a great editor as soon as my editors pointed that out to me and said we wish that the the ending would tie in a little better with the with the rest of the book it, it, things started clicking for me and I thought okay what if we return to a familiar setting and kind of bring the whole book full circle here and so we end up coming back to the classroom where the book starts at the end um, and you find out that there was a piece in the classroom that's essential to the story. And so they returned to find that, that piece. So I did make a lot of changes, but they were all for the better, definitely. So basically, you went from college graduate, more or less straight to full-time writer. And I think you're still a full-time author, right? Correct, yeah. At what point did you realize that this that it was going to work out for you to be a full-time writer? And I don't know what, yeah. what was like that realization like? It was pretty awesome. I remember it was during that, that year where I was writing book two. Book one hadn't quite come out yet, but it was, it was on the market pre-selling. I remember my agent called me at the time and he was like, I saw, I saw a decent looking check come through the mail for you and there's got to be some mistake. Because <laughs> he said, you're just a debut author, you know, you don't, you don't have a lot of prior publications. I'm going to look into this. And so he called me back a little while later. He said, nope, sure enough. People are just, they're really, really interested in the concept of the book and they're, and they're snatching it up as a pre-order. At that point, you know, I was feeling awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was kind of one of those uh, great moments where I thought, maybe, you know, maybe I can't do this. Maybe this is going to 
gonna work out. And it's, it's incredibly unpredictable working full-time as a writer because you get paid like once every six months and you never know how much it's gonna be, you know? <laughs> and so it can be a little, uh, a little dicey, a little frightening, but people have been so supportive. They've read a lot and kind of supported me in the career. So when you are a full-time writer, what is your day life like? Like what is an average day like for a full-time author? Yeah, so this, uh, like today, for example, this morning I did a presentation at a school and then doing a little interview with you here and then definitely need to get writing when I get home. An average day, I would say, if, I, if, it's, like a, if it's like a home day where I don't have any other engagements or, or commitments to present or to speak anywhere, I'm not a morning person. So, <laughs> so I will uh, sleep in as late as I can and then usually ease into the day with some emails or kind of taking care of the business side of, of work and then try to get a couple hours of writing in, you know, pause for dinner. And then I've often found my most productive writing time to be like, you know, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. Or wow. three or yeah, three a.m. So you stay know. up late writing. I do, which is why I sleep in, you know, because <laughs> it's it's I'm just kind of nocturnal, I guess. And I think some of that might be a throwback to my college days, right? The only time I could find to write when I was in college was the middle of the night. I don't know. There's something just creative about that about that time when everyone else in the house is is asleep, and I can kind of get into the story and not worry about coming out of the story. I can go as until I literally just crash. And then, and then sometimes if the writing is good, I'll write till 3 a.m. And, and crash. And then the minute I wake up, I'll, you know, pull the laptop over and keep going. So when the writing's hot, I mean, I can write 12 hours a day. So there are five books in the Janitor series. Right. The fifth one and the final one, I think, came out in 2015. Yep. What was it like to write that final book? Was there a lot of pressure or was it fairly easy? You know, it was fun because I had loved the series and I had, over the course of a five book series, you know, that's about five years of work or probably more like seven years of work because the first one you start before, years before it's published. But I, I really loved the fifth book because basically any idea that was still left over, any idea that I still had in the world of janitors, I was able to put into that book because I knew it was kind of my last shot. So I just kind of poured all all of the fun in there. I tried really hard to connect characters and and elements from the previous four books in and bring them back in book five, so that it never felt like like when you finish the the entire series, it never felt like uh, any set of characters or any items or any things were kind of a one off or useless. Um, because I tried really hard to bring them all back into book five and give everything a rhyme and a reason to why, you know, why it had been in the series. Did you have the series planned out before you started writing it? I did, yeah. And it changed a little. But, you know, I when after I gave them the first book, I had outlines for book two, three, four, and five. Okay. And so when they looked into publishing book one, I said, and if you're interested, you know, I handed them those outlines and... Like I said, the outlines changed over the years because I'd bring in characters that I maybe hadn't expected that weren't in the outline, you know, fun characters that kind of reshaped the story. So I was, it was constantly changing and evolving, but it, I did have a master plan. Um, so you have a new book that came out recently 
mm-hmm. which is the Wishmakers from HarperCollins. Right. Um, it's the start of a trilogy. Did you approach that book series any differently after having already written five books? You know, you mentioned the start of a trilogy. And when I sat down to write that, I decided I couldn't start writing book one until I had the big plot twist for book three, kind of the big end game, the, you know, what, what was all this for? Where is it all leading to? And so then I wrote book one. And then when we sold it to HarperCollins and I gave them my outlines for books two and three, they said, this sounds really cool. Can we, can we move that big surprise up into the series? And I said, well, that's kind of going to truncate the series. So we actually decided to move it into book two and just finish the Wishmakers with a, with a duology. Oh, so, so just, it's going to be two books. It'll be two books. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, we, we felt like as we looked at the trilogy outline that we maybe had two books worth of material that I was maybe trying to stretch over three books because it's traditional to have a, a trilogy and there's you know, no need to do that. Better to have two really action-packed books than to try to draw it out over over three books. Okay. At that point... Otherwise, you end up like the, the, the Hobbit movies. <laughs> oh right. my gosh, don't get me started on those. <laughs> No, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. When that happened, did you already have like a contract then to write three books for them? Or was it kind of like an up in the air thing? I did. And so I still owe them a, th- a third book. Yeah, it will ask. just probably be a standalone, kind of a separate adventure. It might be the beginning of a new series. Uh, we're kind of in talks about that right now. Because I finished the second. So The Wishmakers came out just uh, three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And then the sequel comes out in September. And it's called The Wishbreaker. And that will end the series. So we decided to do those nine months apart. And then a year after Wishbreaker, I'll, I'll give them a third book. You have, I mean, you've been busy because then you have another book coming out. Um, I think by the time this podcast comes out, it'll either have just come out or nice, yeah. it'll be about to come out. Um, it's called The Thousand Deaths of Arter Ben. Did yeah. I pronounce yeah. it correctly? Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me what that book's about? Yeah, so that's kind of my first venture into adult epic fantasy and so the con this con man is hired by a priest to infiltrate high society and steal the king's crown and so he has to assemble his dream team right he's got to get a, a disguise masters and forgers and a thief and together they kind of pull this uh, big heist on high society to try to steal the king's crown and then of course as motives for the job are uncovered you realize this isn't just about stealing the crown, but maybe the the fate of all human civilization is kind of on the line and that he's doing something bigger than even he understands. So obviously you come from a children's book background. Yeah. How is it making that jump from children's to adult? Really fun. One of the things that I have tried really hard to do was to keep the pacing of a younger book. A lot of witty banter, dialogue, um, fast pacing, but yet I get to bring in all the complexity and kind of the emotion that you get with uh, with an adult book. The complexity not just of, of, of the storyline, but complexity of the world that they live in, the complexity of, you know, the politics and society and the magic system. Uh, so it, it, it's definitely the most, you know, complex thing I've written, definitely the longest thing I've written, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Is it at all, like, nerve-wracking? Like, you know, because it's a completely different audience, right? Right. Like, at least with Wishmaker, 
you know, those who might have like Janitor, they can easily transition over to that, right? Right. But this is, these are completely new individuals that you're targeting. Is that at all nerve wracking? It is. It's really interesting because in many ways I feel like I'm back to the, the you know, debut status. And I am, I'm, you know, debuting in a new genre. So I don't have, you know, any readers in place really. They're tar- they're marketing this book as an adult fantasy, but uh, it's a, I find it appropriate for older teens. Mostly the reason it's you know for an older crowd is just because of its length and complexity, um, not necessarily because of its content. So I do hope that some of my readers who have started with janitors years ago and are now in high school or or in college will you know recognize my name on the book and and hopefully you know pick it up and and it feels like the, a natural kind of next step up. So with Janitors, that was published by Shadow Mountain, mm-hmm. Wishmakers, <clears throat> HarperCollins, uh, Arter Ben is Orbit. So that's three publishing houses. <laughs> I'm really curious, like, what's it like having worked with three different publishing houses? And is it yeah. very different depending on where you're at? It, it's quite different, yeah. Um, Shadow Mountain, I, I live in Utah and Shadow Mountain is based in Salt Lake City. And so we had a lot of face-to-face, uh, which was really awesome. They could call me and be like, hey, let's do lunch to talk about the next book or let's t- discuss this manuscript and I could go down and you know, face-to-face uh, talk to them. Um, HarperCollins and, and Orbit are both based in, in New York. Orbit also has, so there's, so Orbit US is publishing Arterben in the United States. And then it's also being simultaneously published by Orbit UK and Orbit Australia. So that'll be kind of worldwide English distribution for for Artaben. So obviously, I mean, I haven't been over to the UK and haven't met those publishers. Just barely met HarperCollins in in January for the first time. We've been working together for over a year and I uh, went out to New York to be able to, you know, just get to meet the team that had put the book together and, and, and helped out with that. So each one is a is a very different experience. Do you see yourself writing for the rest of your life? I hope so. Yeah, I I love it, and I think that the things that I write might change. You know, I uh, I love writing middle grade, but I've also really loved this venture into adult epic fantasy, and so I you know I hope I hope to to always do a little of both. You know, maybe run a a, a series adult epic fantasy for a while and then jump back down and do a, a middle grade series and kind of back and forth. I don't know, maybe I'll write a mystery one day. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think that I'm, you know, the more I learn about writing, kind of gets me excited to sometimes to try writing something in, a, in another genre. Tyler's new book, The Thousand Deaths of Arter Ben, was just released last month. If you're looking for a new epic fantasy, be sure to check it out. And remember how Tyler studied music back in college? Well, that degree didn't go to waste. He started a band called Jammin' Janitors with some of his friends. When I wrote the Janitors series, I called up some of my old college drumming friends. And I said, guys, I've got this idea of a way to kind of combine my my music background with the topic of my new book. And so I I said, we're going to play on garbage cans and dustpans and broomsticks and all kinds of things. Kind of like the group Stomp. You know, kind of taking inspiration from them, but kind of specifically trying to limit ourselves to janitorial things. <laughs> and so, so we we went for it. They they were good sports. We played a bunch of gigs together. Um, when I would release a new janitor's book, I would get the jam and janitors 
together and the four of us would would play a show uh, for the release of the book. Could I possibly use some of the audio? Yeah, yeah. People can actually hear it while you're talking about it. Yeah, totally, yeah. That'd be cool. And you can even do like, you could, like if you did a clip of audio from like the toilets, for example, Mm -hmm. you could either intro or, or, or outro with it and be like, the sounds you all, the sounds you just heard were were created completely with toilets, right? Because yeah. it's because it's like when you're listening, you're like, what is that sound? Like, how is that? You know, so you can kind of play with it that way. In case you haven't figured it out yet, I took his advice. The music you're listening to, it's four guys drumming on toilets, and there's a video that goes with it. I've linked it in the show notes. It's pretty impressive. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to About the Author. This was actually the final episode. Now, there's a chance we'll bring the show back in the future, and if that's something you would like to see, the best thing you could do is leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. But whether or not you do that, I just want to take a moment and really thank you for listening to the show in the first place. A lot of work went into putting this show together, and so it was awesome to see so many people talking about it and sharing it with their friends and family. I also want to give a special thanks to my peers at Brigham Young University, as well as the Bookstack team who provided feedback throughout the process. I also have to give a shout out to my friend Kobe Davis and his family who made this particular episode possible. You guys are awesome. If you want more book-related audio content, be sure to look up Bookstack's original podcast, Bookmarked, a YA book podcast. You can find more information at bookmarkedshow.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.